Is the goal here to get the audience intoxicated or... Tom, I'm glad you asked that question because this is infotainment. So, mix of entertainment and good information. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week... We interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. What's up, folks, and welcome to our first ever live episode of Manufacturing Happy Hour. This week's show is all about simplifying digital transformation one of the biggest macro technology trends impacting manufacturers today. If you're wondering whether or not this episode is for you, think about it this way for a second. If you're asking yourself, gosh, I know there are new technologies out there that I should be taking advantage of to optimize my manufacturing process, but I don't know where to start, that would be one thing. Or maybe you're saying, I know there's data and information throughout my machine or my plant that if I could just capture it and organize it, I could make better decisions so much faster and help my company or my customers be more productive and profitable. Well, if either of those statements are on your mind, keep on listening. We recorded this episode at Haymarket Brewing in front of a live audience the night before Automation Fair 2019, which is Rockwell Automation's annual trade show and, quite frankly, one of the biggest automation industry events in North America. As such, we were able to assemble a panel of industry experts from PTC, Concept Systems, and Rockwell, three companies that are no stranger to helping manufacturers with their digital transformation journey. I'll be introducing our panelists and each of these companies in just a moment in more detail. But first, what are the three things you can expect from today's show? Well, first, we take care of some definitions around digital transformation and the Internet of Things, specifically the industrial Internet of Things and IoT platforms. If you're rusty on these definitions at the immediate moment, don't worry. Our panelists will define these shortly while also sharing some examples from industry studies and real-life digital transformation success stories. The whole point of this part of the conversation, and quite frankly the episode as a whole, is to simplify these topics so that you can take actions, both big and small, to future-proof your manufacturing business. This gets us to the second big discussion point. What's stopping people from getting started on a digital transformation journey? I think you'll like this part because we'll get to hear a few different perspectives from each of the panelists. So if you're someone that's like, I know I should invest in new digital technologies, but I don't know where to start, this part's for you. As a quick acronym check, we talk a little bit about POCs in this part of the show, which simply stands for a proof of concept. So getting into some digital transformation projects in that case. Third and finally, we talk about how challenges facing manufacturers today are different from the challenges they faced even five to ten years ago. We get into personalization in manufacturing and generations in the workforce before we wrap up with some of the things our panelists are most excited about when it comes to the future of manufacturing. If you've been listening to the show for a while, keep in mind this is a live show, so it's going to sound like it was recorded at a brewery because, well, we recorded it in a brewery. So just note that it's not like the same studio quality that you've gotten from some of the episodes, but I think you'll dig the live format, especially with some of the, uh, let's say, audience participation that's part of this. Because as a result of doing it in front of the audience at a brewery with drinks in hand, we decided to play a little game throughout this episode, which hopefully gives you a chuckle here and there throughout the show. As a call to action for when you finish up listening to this episode, 
I'd greatly appreciate it if you could head over to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes to leave a rating and review at Apple Podcasts. You can do this on your phone or on your computer. It's not difficult at all. It's easy to leave that five-star rating. You just you know click those five stars, but you'll want to make sure you write a review as well. There's a little button for that too, and even if it's as short as one sentence, those are the things that really help get the show on the map. So if you like this episode or you liked any of the ones before it, Please go do that. It's at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you right there. If you do it, I might even just have to buy you a drink the next time we see you or the first time we meet. And with that, we've got a great discussion ahead of us today. So let's not waste any time. Let's head to Chicago, Illinois to talk about digital transformation in manufacturing. like to welcome you to tonight's show, the first ever Manufacturing Happy Hour live podcast. That was really a strategy, so you'd clap so I could take a drink before we kept rolling with this episode. But with that, speaking, you know, when I was preparing for this panel a week ago, I was diving deep into some notes I'd taken from a recent Rockwell and PTC webinar, and I was really buried deep in this industry and technology alignment and somewhere in the, the automation stack. And it was an hour in, I'm like, I'm not getting to where I want to be in this presentation right now. I'm like, wait a second. We're doing this at a bar where there are no PowerPoints behind us, no facts and figures that we can show. And really, this goes in the main mission of Manufacturing Happy Hour. The goal of tonight is to simplify topics in digital transformation and smart manufacturing to the point that you'd be able to discuss them with someone while you're at a bar. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guests on our panel for the evening. Our first panelist is an internet of things extraordinaire and the product management leader for Kepware at PTC, a company that's leading the way in digital transformation across the entire industrial manufacturing process. Manufacturing All-Stars, please welcome Tom Gaudette. Now, our second panelist is a marketing maven and the director of Customer Insights at Rockwell Automation, the largest company in the world dedicated to industrial automation and bringing the connected enterprise to life. Ladies and gentlemen, Beth Parkinson. And last but not least, our final panelist is a control systems migration master and the director of sales and marketing for Concept Systems, an Oregon-based systems integrator and solution partner whose capabilities run the gamut from process control to robotics and machine vision. Let's give it up for Ryan Wasman. Welcome, everyone. I'm excited to have you up here. You all bring something unique to the industry. And another catch I should add to tonight's little performance is that uh, in our industry, you probably know this, but we tend to use a lot of buzzwords, whether that's digital transformation, industry 4.0, optimization, throughput, whatever the word may be. In an effort to keep this fun, entertaining, but also make sure we're providing constructive uh, information for you, we're gonna do a little drinking game associated with tonight's evening. If you hear, if you hear a buzzword, we'll be kind of be tallying this up as we go. 
That individual on the panel will take a drink, and you are encouraged to drink along with them. At the end of every round of questions, uh, if we feel it's been insightful, and I feel confident that for every round we'll, we'll have that, I'd like to raise a glass to the folks on stage, and we'll do a cheers, uh, which also involves a drink. It is your prerogative to participate, but if you'd like to have some fun with us, you can think of this as the digital transformation <laughs> drinking game. With that, let's dive into the panel. So the first question I have is, actually, before we do that, I threw out probably three different buzzwords, at least, in my introduction. So I'm going to... I think you have to drink. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to abide by that. I was, I was curious about that. Uh, is the goal here to get the audience intoxicated? Or I don't want to end up in a, you know, how I met your mother, but um, but um, but um sort of situation. Right, right. I like that. This is the goal... Uh, a, a, a line I'm going to steal from Steve Jobs is this is infotainment. So mix of entertainment and good information. So, and Tom, I'm glad you asked that question because I think we're going to lead off with you. I threw out the term digital transformation, the digital transformation drinking game. What, how would you describe digital transformation to someone if you're sitting next to them at a bar like the one we're at today? Yeah, it's a really hard question. Uh, and I find that it's hard not because of the fact that I don't know what it is, but most people think that it's one thing. And I could talk to an entirely different person moments later, and they think it's entirely different, right? Mm -hmm. So digital transformation, the way that I see it is that it really depends on your situation. One of the places that we see it at the Kepler business within PTC is the very baseline of what digital transformation is for most companies. A lot have been doing machine to machine communication for a long time. They've got a SCADA system or an MES system. I'm so winning this game. Um, I'm, keeping, I'm, I'm keeping track. Yeah, no, I'm going to need another drink soon. Um, but we even have companies that have been doing simple CNC machining for a very long time and are utilizing paper records to keep track of their systems. And simply by gathering and monitoring the data in a, in a SQL database or even an Excel program, they've saved themselves hundreds of thousands of dollars based off of just that. And so digital transformation right. can be as, as simple as collecting the data and keeping an eye on it mm -hmm. with humans, but it also can go as far as going the full gambit with IoT and doing digital twins and doing analytics on those on that data that's coming out of the plant. So it's, it runs the gambit. I love that answer. I love, I love, the, I think the paper example is a great way to put it. Just taking the things that you track manually, whether that's Excel, whether it's on a sheet of paper, moving over from that and digitizing it. I, Beth, I'm going to hand it off to you next because you recently participated in the digital transformation industry study. I'd love to hear what you learned from that. Well, two things. First of all, my general view of digital transformation is how are you using emerging technologies connected technologies, smart technologies to really reinvent your business. And it could be at the basic level of how do you save money related to operational efficiency type activities, mm -hmm. or how are you really growing your business? How are you making money? Or how are you helping your customers make money or save money? So that's the basics. To your point about the, the study that we just did, yeah, we just launched a digital transformation industry study where we looked at what executives think about where they are in their journey across seven industries. And I think what's interesting is most people are doing something. I think everyone can take an action, whether it be at the very basic level of, you know, moving from paper to automating those processes. Other companies are truly redefining their business as a whole. So to the point of 
You can start small and grow it over time, or you can start with, if we don't innovate today, we won't be around in the future. So it can be starting small, or it can be something that is a true transformation, as you're saying. Uh, you know, Ryan, we're going to wrap up with you on this question because I mentioned in your intro that you are a migrations master. Concept Systems does a lot of migrations very well. Can you give us an example of what you're seeing when it comes to migration projects that go like beyond obsolescence and incorporate digital transformation? Yeah, so we take a lot of systems that, like you said, paper, we, we take all these systems that are very... I'd say manual processes and turn them into mm -hmm. these digital transformation processes. So let's can we take a can we take a drink and Oh yeah, there? yeah, we can take a drink first. Yeah, we'll let you think about it. I like that. What did we do on that? I guess just in general for me, digital transformation is I, I like to tell stories. So my first job ever was blueprint folding. I, I actually watch people in a in a room like this drafting. So to me. Digital transformation is watching that data then became CAD, right? We, we moved to AutoCAD. Mm -hmm. And then from that, we moved into where we are now, where you can actually take a tablet and point it at a device, right? PTC has a really awesome tool that takes a tablet, point it at a device, and I can actually see the data coming off of that device because mm -hmm. it's live, it's streaming. Um, so I would say digital transformation to me is watching all of this stuff happen in real time mm -hmm. um, to the point where you're saving your customers all this money while they're excited about what they're doing. They're, they're actually seeing literally augmented reality. They're seeing uh, paper, paper turn into digital, turn into dashboards, turn mm -hmm. into these, these amazing process in, improvements. Mm -hmm. um, so for us doing controls retrofits, Getting back to your original question, yeah, controls retrofits for us and, and plant modernization and digital transformation, taking all of that and seeing seeing that happen um, by upgrading PLCs and getting that data real time is, mm -hmm. is really what's what's driving our business. Well, I love how we took it from what we're seeing across the industry, the gamut of what digital transformation can do, the definition around it, and then what you're seeing in the work you're doing as well. So I feel like that warrants a cheers for that round of the initial question. So let's raise our glasses. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. This episode of Manufacturing Happy Hour is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the largest source for audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. And since you are a listener of this show, we're giving you a free audiobook when you sign up for a trial of Audible. You can do that by going to audibletrial.com slash happy hour pod. Now, let me tell you a little bit about why I love these folks, because they are my go-to source for audiobooks. With the amount that I'm traveling for manufacturing happy hour and work and with the holidays right now, it is the only way I'm able to keep up with my reading to stay sharp while I'm on the go. This episode's coming out in December 2019, so I know you have some travel coming up as well. Make sure to sign up for your Audible trial before the holidays kick in so you can get listening. Again, you can do that at audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. And I do want to give another thank you to the three companies being featured on today's show. PTC, Rockwell Automation, and Concept Systems. 
They're all doing great things in the manufacturing space. You're going to be able to find out all about these companies at the show notes. Concept Systems is one of the best systems integrators around with experience, not only in legacy control systems, but across the board in manufacturing applications. PTC is a software company that's truly enabling digital transformation across new and old manufacturing facilities, and Rockwell Automation is the largest company in the world dedicated to industrial automation. Again, you can check those out at the show notes at manufacturinghappyhour.com to learn all about our participant companies from this episode. And now, let's get back to chatting with these folks in Chicago, Illinois at Haymarket Brewing. I do have another question that Tom is going to start us off on, but did you catch up on your drinks from that first intro? Or are, we, are, we, are we spun up at this point? The, I, I think I counted at least... Four IOTs and three digital transformations. Who's going to pay for this? That's what I want to know. It's a good question. That's a good question. Since this is an unofficial event, I am not. So, it's... I, I love that my coworkers are asking me if I need, need, need more whiskey. It's really great. I, I, I'll buy you. I'll buy you a beer, Tom. I got you, man. <laughs> While we figure out who's buying the next round, Tom, the question I've got for you is. Another thing we talk about, we mentioned Internet of Things. I'm going to drink for that in just a second. But we talk about IoT platforms and how that is a big thing we're seeing in our industry right now. But I'd love to hear maybe an analogy around that. Like, what is, you know, how would you describe an IoT platform to someone to kick us off for this part of the conversation as well? Nobody's leaving this room sober. Let's, right. Let's start that's, off there. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and, <laughs> and, and it's a, that's a really interesting question. I actually want to, if I may... Maybe with a show of hands, it's not going to show up in podcasts, but sure. who here definitively knows what an IoT platform is? Does anybody anybody know definitively what an IoT platform so is? So for those of you listening, we're seeing 25% of hands up tops. That's Yeah, that's, that's high. I think most of the so, hands up are PTC employees. Yes, <laughs> certainly. You know, I've Googled this before. Okay. And because I work for a company that touts that we have a, a very... Fabulous IoT platform, and we, I think, do. But when you look up what is IoT, the first thing that comes up is basically that it is a uh, multi-layer software platform that allows okay. the provisioning, management, and automation of connected devices, which is a just a ridiculous jargon of words. And so somebody give me a bottle. Um, <laughs> So the Talisker is really nice, and if anybody, this Talisker storm's delicious. But so that's great. Like that's a great definition. But when it comes down to it, that's IoT, right? And so what we're really into here is industrial, right? Yeah. That's what the majority yep. of us are are here to talk about at Rock Fair. Is that it's all about the industrial side, and for an IoT platform that's going to be going after industry, it's more about. <laughs> Not awkward. There is a new drink <laughs> on the brand, table. A new, brand new drink just shows up. <laughs> if you're Fair. listening to this podcast as a future date, we literally just doubled up on Tom's drink yeah. on stage live. So if we're, fo we're focused on industry here, and what's important about that is that there are so many existing IoT-esque systems in the plants that what an IoT platform in, in industrial automation needs to be doing is co coordinating and managing between pre-existing 
systems so that not only can you manage your devices that are on the plant floor, but can you pull off information off of your MES system? Can you grab information out of your historian? Can you make sure that what's coming in from logistics is going to hit at the right time so that you're going to be producing the right product so that you have that running out the door and running into basically the best Six Sigma situation, which is we've done before in industry, but it's mm-hmm. really tough to do it without a extensible platform to communicate to the, all of the different systems that exist. Right. So for me, what it really comes down to is that it's not just those core tenants that, that you read when you first cur- are curious about IoT. It's really about being flexible and extensible. And I think that's something that, that we're maybe really close to in the yeah. industry, but it's new. We're still all working on it. One of the words that stuck out in there was coordinating between systems. I mean, when I think of an IoT platform, one of the analogies that I'd heard was think of like your iPhone as an example. That's like your personal IoT platform. When you're pulling in, let's say, something from your photo app into Concur, like a receipt, you're trying to do an expense report on your phone. You're you're integrating between the different areas within your phone to help run your life. And correct me if I'm wrong, but is this a fair analogy for an IoT platform in a manufacturing plant is kind of the same thing where you're pulling from different systems like a warranty database, like a, let's say from the machine OEE data, the MES. Am I on the right track there? So I'd say that you're absolutely right in the idea set. Okay. The difference being that your iPhone or your Android provides a unified set of ways that applications interact with each other, okay. which is completely different than the way that actual manufacturing exists in that none of the applications we're trying to mesh together to create huge amounts of value for the enterprise by being able to monitor between them were ever designed to talk to each other. And yeah. so what that platform that you're seeking out needs to be able to do is communicate to any application connected any data source and manage between the two and have the ability to to do that flexibly so that if you have a plant in Shanghai yep. and you have a plant in Alabama with have which have very different systems at the end of the day you want your corporate management to be able to see the same exact things and that's a very different thing than a uh, sure. consumer electronic platform so it's that unified interface where you get on that one phone right in front of you, but the challenges of, say, a manufacturer on a global scale make that all the more difficult. Exactly. That? Okay. Ryan, I'd like to make sure we chat with you about this topic as well. When it comes to either getting started with smart manufacturing or digital transformation, what are you seeing out there? We, we run into a lot of customers that they see all of the... They see all of the ads. They see all the of cool the things, all, yeah, all the stuff, right. and they're like, "We want to do it all." And then I, I think the biggest thing is helping someone along that journey, trying to have them understand that it could start. You know, it has to start with the base platform. It has to start with maybe a unified device or a unified set of standards, a unified set of protocols before you can just get OEE data off of every machine. You have to ha- actually have a you know a plant network that connects all the machines or you have to have a Wi-Fi protocol that has security. So uh, we see a lot of educating the, the end user on what a true IoT journey looks like. There's a lot of small things happening that are leading to the bigger things. 
we're definitely seeing a lot of older migrations happening now to get ready for the bigger, the bigger plant-wide, corporate-wide things. So, so I'm hearing some good examples from this. I guess to kind of bring it around, what, what are you guys seeing is stopping people from getting started with an IoT transformation? I think we'll, we'll go down the line again. Beth or Tom, do you want to start that one off? Are you, you going to drive me into this? So I think that the, the number one thing that stops companies from going from the idea state where they know that they can see huge value through this transformation to where they end up, which is 90% of companies stop after a POC. 90%. That's an, that's yeah. an, that's an amazing number, right? So 90% of your customers, of your coworkers, of your whatever it happens to be that you happen to be in this room, mm-hmm. 90% of those people end up not going anywhere with their plans, which is insane, right? So you work at a company and the goal is to make more money and you know that there are stories out there that show you can can make significantly more or save, which is the Mm -hmm. same thing as making more money, but 90% of you are going to fail. And every single time, and as long as I've been doing talks on this, every single time the result is people. It is 100% of the time that you, there are failures in IoT. I'm going to pull off on 100%. 99.9% of the time. Okay, that's fair. I, I don't want to drink too much tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's people. And so what it comes down to is that there are people that are stuck in their ways and don't want to move on to something new because they've been doing it a certain way for a long time and are, are worried about the change and the effect that that'll happen or that that'll have on their plants. But it really comes down to a lot of what we're seeing with the, the merging of IT and OT, where the IT business, because they have uh, security in mind all the time, they're, they're tending to win within these IoT, ITOT convergence stories. And so they're bringing a lot of what we would all consider pretty heavyweight organizational changes. I mean, when was the last time you tried to get your laptop changed at your, at your job? It took you probably six weeks right? Unless it actually crashed. And so it really comes down to the people and getting the people to talk together and understanding the value because you have to know what the guy on the plant floor who's trying to produce the next widget is going to be worried about, right? Mm -hmm. And the guy in the IT office is not thinking about the fact that all he cares about is making one more thing before the end of his shift because that's a percentage change and percentage changes in industry are huge mm-hmm. savings or value. And so that's where the breakdown is, is there are diff- there are competing views between these two groups. And until you can sit down in the same room and have a good conversation about what your priorities are, because IT is responsible to make sure we don't get hacked, right? which is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then OT is concerned making money for the business. Those views are competing and it comes down to honestly this. It comes down to sitting around a table and having a conversation and understanding what the problems are and how we mm-hmm. can solve it as people and working together. Well, you bring up a couple of good points. First of all, I'm not going to have you drink for every time you said IT and OT because that would be a lot. And we've already I'll refilled your drink. 
But you're getting towards one of my next questions. Before we dive into that, Beth, Ryan, any thoughts on this topic? I do. I'm a little more optimistic about where how people are progressing, I would say. One, in this recent study I mentioned, mm-hmm. I would say 38% of the folks who responded, granted these were executives, thought that they were still in the planning stage, right? But we're seeing about a third who are saying they're already into implementation of some form of project, and another third that said they're back, they're more into committing continuous improvement of at least initial projects. Okay. So interesting there. I will say we asked about what their biggest challenges are across those different phases. Mm -hmm. There were three topics at a global level that came up in all three. One was IT security, cybersecurity concerns. You mentioned that, right? Two, the ability to execute. So you're common about the people. It's not about the technology. Yeah. The third part though, and it is in certain industries more than others, but the challenges of legacy, um, integrating legacy environments. So most companies in, say, North America are not deploying many greenfields today. So they're okay. dealing, yeah. they're not going to rip and replace existing architectures. Right. So how are you applying the value of IoT in that existing environment? And that does require both the technical mm-hmm. know-how of the new technologies, as well as the people who understand how it's working today, and both of them coming to the table, being willing to collaborate together for the innovation. So I, I think there's some movement, um, but I think you're spot on on the people element becomes the biggest issue. And it's people both on the strategy side, yeah. but also in getting the operators involved in the processes. So there's not somebody just saying, this is how your new chain process is. They're actually involved in the process. I, I was going to say, both of, both of your answers so far are very much focused on the people element. Ryan, as we wrap this one up, what are your thoughts on the topic? I guess I'll third it, not second it. Makes um, sense. I, I we're we're going to triple down here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that a lot of the times companies are making good money, right? They're, they're already doing really well. So it's really easy to say no to a process change. And so finding a champion inside of a company that's really willing to take that step and be a change agent and, and go there and do that, I think that's the biggest key. Okay. And if you don't have that, you're not going to progress. It's really, I'll go back to it. It's really easy to say no. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, just, I, I definitely agree with you guys. So finding someone that's willing to drive the change, be uncomfortable with change, drive the project, and also getting groups like IT and OT to interact that have not interacted before. Are you going to drink now? I, we are going to drink. Yeah. Actually, you know what? That was a good round. Let's, let's raise our glasses. Everyone. Cheers to that. We're rolling towards the end here. I've got a couple more questions, and you kind of you kind of started getting into one of the ones I was going to ask next, which is I'm a guy that likes to simplify things to a fault more often than not. And Tom, it might have been when you and I were talking that I was saying that when we talk about digital transformation, when we talk about smart manufacturing, a lot of times it's just new technology addressing the same challenges we've seen in manufacturing for years. That's getting more throughput, reducing scrap, improving sustainability, things along those lines. But are these just new technologies that are addressing the same issues we've seen for years, or are there new challenges in place? And Beth, I'm going to let you start because you already started before I I directed it to someone. So I think we've had the opportunity to interview people in the market in terms of what they're doing around digital transformation. And I'm remembering back to a executive in a CPG company out of Europe who talked about how they started seeing changes in their market demand Mm -hmm. and what they think their customers need. And 
I loved this because they were talking about having to listen to sales and marketing needs and that affected what they had to do in manufacturing. He talked about how their traditional process with large batches piping into a process, large, large deliveries to big customers. And they realized in order to be effective, they had to get to the next level of personalization. And their process had to change. And he said, at this stage, they're actually using cobots to mix personalized batches for smaller company processes mm -hmm. into this area. That completely changed the process of what they originally had in manufacturing. Two, he said their ultimate idea was to be able to get to ultimate consumer personalization. Now, we have had personalized M&Ms for a long time now. Yes. But what he was looking at is literally a company... Uh, a consumer being able to go on and saying, based on my requirements related to what I, the ingredients I want in certain products, I can customize this for my individual needs. And they want to be able to activate that, have it processed, shipped to get to ultimate personalization. To me, that's not about just fixing existing products. That's totally reinventing how they do their business. I love that. So personalization is the big word I took away from that being a new challenge in manufacturing that we're seeing that we didn't used to see in the past. Ryan, I'm going to pass this one off to you next. So let's go through the question. Yeah, so the question being the challenges we're seeing. Do you have to drink seeing, for that one? I, I don't, I'll just drink. I didn't, come, I didn't come up with a penalty for forgetting the question, but you can drink for while, while I re-explain it. So. I was so enamored by Beth's uh, Beth comments. Did a, that Beth I was, had a really, like, really wow. good answer. In fact, I, let's raise our glasses that. to Beth an, Beth's answer really quickly while we wait. Just, So the question for Ryan and then for Tom is how are we seeing are we seeing new challenges in manufacturing that we haven't seen before aside from improving speeds and th uh, feeds sustainability etc The new challenge that I see is things are progressing faster right we have mm -hmm. we have the internet and we have social media and we have this like instant connectivity so there's not really no one's really willing to wait Yeah they, so the challenge is they want the data, they want it accurate, they want it right. And then, but then the challenge is that they're not ready to jump right in and they don't have the equipment ready to jump right in. Sure. So there's, there's a big challenge I see in, in that just instantaneous, uh, we want it now, mm -hmm. but hold on, wait, hold on. We, we have to do what we have to spend how much money. And so there's a challenge there and just that instantaneous, um, another right word for it. Well, if I'm if I'm hearing you right, you're looking at people that want it now, like that instant grat instant gratification society we live in, but you probably encountered especially as you're working with older facilities, people don't have what they need to get started yet or the infrastructure in place to get off of top dead center. Is that right? Yeah. And you kind of have a bimodal view, right? So you've got young engineers coming out of college that know exactly what they want and how fast they can get it and they, mm -hmm. they know what's out there and then you have a gap like a skills gap where you've got right. this bimodal population of 20 to 30 year olds and then 50 to 60 year olds that are on their way to retirement and they don't want anything to change so you end up with this kind of internal battle yeah um, I, I sat on the manufacturing side for a long time and that that mm -hmm. was always an issue so you see what's out there and that that battle is you got one side that doesn't want to do it immediately. They yeah. don't want to change the process. Everything works great. And then, and then you've got the other side. I, I'd say yeah. that, so it goes back to a people challenge. Yeah. A difference it's between generations. Time. Yeah. Tom, you were the first person to challenge me on this when we first talked about this. And uh, I met, uh, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier with uh, 
the OTIT dynamic. What are you seeing as a new challenge that we haven't seen before? So I actually hadn't really thought about the I want it now part of industry. And that's absolutely true. And it's just something that I haven't run into because my particular technology is focused really down low on the overall stack. So I manage the Kepware business, which is focused on communication to devices. And so we don't really see that level. We just provide the data. But when it comes to the overall story, I think both of you are, are kind of spot on with this. It, but also, some of the challenges are the same in that even when we do hyper-personalization, right, which is absolutely something that, I mean, I want my M&Ms. There's no doubt about right, that. Right, I like M&Ms too. They're, yeah, I'm glad delicious. that was the example we used. Thank you, I Beth. I mean, it was an early adopter situation. <laughs> They're seriously delicious. Um, but we also still see significant savings by leveraging additional data at a relatively low level for the traditional challenges of scrap, throughput, Six Sigma issues that IoT can solve because kind of to the same point, data is now as opposed to data will be later, right? So when you're taking logs on the plant floor and you're sending them into your TPS reports for all of those Office Space fans. I love that reference. Yeah, raise, yeah, we're raising a glass to Office Space. Cheers. Cheers, So uh, I'm going to throw myself under the bus on this one. Uh, I spent a little bit of time working in uh, plants in the yep. military, and uh, I came up with a the plant status report. <laughs> okay. Which, yeah. Uh, it was started as a joke, and then it became a thing. But... <laughs> But really what it comes down to is, is because we can get data now by adding sensors to machines or just connecting the machines that are brownfield and have some legacy connectivity in them, we can get so many more insights into what is going on in our individual factories. There is extremely, there's an extremely large amount of value that is literally living on our plant floors today that can be captured relatively easily. And it boggles my mind when we don't have the capability to connect you to a device that can tell you how to make you more money. And so I think it's a, it's a combination, right? It's the people. It is certainly the ability to change your process quickly. There's or a, envision the future well, opportunities, right? If, oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there's an electric car manufacturer in the North America that leverages some really cool controllers of a very awesome company that changes <laughs> their process on a minute-by-minute basis, Yeah, leveraging another cool company's technology that everyone wants to drive. Yeah. And they're doing hyper-personalization in certain cases. What the very next car to come down the line likely does not look like the car before it. And that requires data immediately. And that's something that IoT can provide and is value that is there for not only the producer of the product, but for the consumer because they get what they want at the end of the day. I didn't necessarily expect us to go the hyper personalization route, but I'm glad that was a theme throughout it. It's I feel more like of a consumer industry. Eh? Yeah, no, I'm 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 learning something from this. And and our last question to wrap things up, 
Kind of a personal question for each of you. We've covered a lot of ground tonight from digital transformation to personalization to um, some of the generational aspects we're seeing in the workforce right now. What I want to ask is with all these opportunities, with all these challenges, what are each of you most excited about in the manufacturing sector and why are you excited about it? So, Ryan, we'll start with all you right. this time. You're ready to jump on in. I am. I, I'll go back to the story I told right at the, the first... The first big job I had was I was the IT administrator at this network, uh, at this design company. And before we migrated them to AutoCAD, I had to help fold the blueprints. So that was, I, I did the math this morning. It's over 20 years ago. So 20 years ago, blueprints, lots of people drafting, you know, yep. slide rules to AutoCAD to where are we going next. And so I'm just really excited to see where we go next and seeing yeah. some of the, we're doing work right now with a food and beverage company and they're using model predictive control to do some really amazing things where they're taking like live feedback from their process mm -hmm. and then they're actually modifying the parameters of their process to come up with a specific, they, they want to have a specific, I'll call it a crunch to their food. So, they they figured out that a crunch is a, a temperature and a in a certain pH level and, a, and all these things that go into the process. So it's just exciting to think that you could engineer a certain crunch on the fly by gathering all this data. So just I'm really excited to see what happens next based on the last 20 years to now to next 20 years. I love that example around model predictive control where you're defining crunch as the desired set point and that changes what various temperatures and time do at that point. That's an excellent example. Let's just go down the line. Beth, what are fun. you most excited about? Manufacturing's freaking cool. We're going to need a bit more than that, otherwise you're going to have to finish that beer. So to the point <laughs> on it, is on me dating myself. I have worked in CAD. I've worked in ERP. I've worked at internet startups. And I've worked at Rockwell. To be able to see how these technologies are coming together to deliver this amazing opportunity for the future is, is just awesome. When yeah. folks go on the show floor tomorrow, I want you to go to the innovation booth. What we're able to show there, there's literally like the chairs that gamers use to like be immersed into their virtual reality. Like you can literally sit in one and look at a plant floor environment with emulate 3d tomorrow. Yep. You can go and see a robot, a collaborative robot, uh, working alongside of the digital twin. I mean, there is so much, even though it is about the business issue, how we're solving business problems, saving money, making money. There is so much cool technology that's coming to market and manufacturing right now. And that's how we're going to get kids in All the right. manufacturing. Bringing the next generation. I love the generational theme. Tom, take us home. I, I'm going to steal off on that generational theme uh, a little bit. I'm going to roll off you. So throw myself under the bus as far as age. I was that guy in the military taking paper logs mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis, hourly. And now I work in a tech industry that is literally the top of the line doing amazing things. So I, w I worked in power plants in the military, and now I make sure that technology in plants is the most modern thing possible. You know, three years ago, when people said, why AR? What is AR going to do for the manufacturing plant? And we're seeing it more and more as a very 
capable learning tool. But even before that, the ability to not have to go to a thermos or thermostat that is this big and figure out whether or not that says 85 or 88 degrees, but have the real live data accessible through an augmented reality situation is literally mind-blowing. It's going to bring the young kids into manufacturing. They're going to be excited about it. And I think that we're all poised to be in a place where technology brings us to the next level within you know our entire lives. I think it's a, it's a great time, and I'm excited to see what comes next. So if I'm hearing it right, it's AR, it's new technology, and it's bringing the next generation into the workforce. I love that. That's all I had tonight. Let's give a hand for our panel tonight. Ryan, Beth, Tom, thank you you so much for sharing your insights tonight. Let's raise a glass to them. Stay innovative, stay thirsty, and thanks for being part of the first ever live Manufacturing Happy Hour podcast. Cheers to all of you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this first ever live production of Manufacturing Happy Hour. I've got a lot of people to thank from this episode, mainly Tom, Beth, and Ryan. Thank you so much for jumping on today's show. Loved having you guys represent PTC, Rockwell, and Concept Systems, respectively. All great companies that you should go learn more about at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com. I don't think this will be the last time you hear about these folks on the show in the near future. Also, big thanks to Haymarket Brewing in Chicago, Illinois, for allowing us to host our first show there. Great spot, great brewery right in the West Loop of Chicago. If you ever happen to be there, highly recommend checking that place out. They have a long list of beers and a great facility. So thanks again, Haymarket Pub and Brewery, for having us out for our first ever live show. If you dug today's episode, my call to action for you is the same as it has always been. Head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes to leave a rating and review for the show. It really helps put the show on the map. Your review can be as short as one sentence long. doesn't need to be in any detail. You could be like, boy, Beth, Ryan, and Tom were all hilarious, and they had a lot of great information to share. That's just an example, but I will let you write your own review. Again, that's at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you right to Apple Podcasts, whether you're on your computer or on your iPhone. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Another shout-out to our sponsor today, Audible. Audible is the largest electronic library of audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. And for being a listener of this show, you can claim your free audiobook with your trial subscription by going to audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. I get all my books there. It's the holidays. You're going to be on the road. You're going to be traveling. You're going to want a break from your family at some point, maybe. Whether you're on an airplane or just sneaking outside to get a little alone time during the holidays and decompress, Audible is great for all of that. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. And that is it for our first live show. We hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to get your feedback on it if you think we should do something like this again, or better yet, if you have an event where you think this would be a fit. 
let me know, and we will keep that conversation going. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.